You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome to a special edition of the State of Recruiting. It's been a whirlwind week for Texas fans. There have been 10 new commits, a ton of action, and with Mike still on vacation in Mexico, we're joined by 20, uh, 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst Gabe Brooks. Gabe, you're out in Carthage, I believe, right? Yeah, we uh, we came out here last night um, once my wife's workday was over and we're hanging out uh, just for the, the holiday weekend out, out, here, out here in the woods. Gotcha. Getting ready for UFC 276, I hear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that'll be fun. But without much further ado, let's kind of get straight into it. It's been an, a wild week for Texas uh, Longhorns fans with kind of arch madness living up to the hype. Just before we get into the overall you know, Texas 2023 class, from a impartial view, what's kind of been your take from this past week? Well, I mean, they're they're adding quality pieces. Uh, you always like numbers, you know. You always like quantity, but uh, quality helps too. And I think that they're getting that, and they're getting it in, in players who are. You know, fitting of the modern game, like you know, I think we've talked about somebody like Derek Williams. That's some that's that's somebody who can stay on the field in all scenarios. He can, you know, play some safety. He can play some linebacker. He uh, he, he, he he brings an intensity that's gonna, uh, you know, kind of give a, a backbone to that back seven. Um, so I mean these these are guys that fit the modern game guys like that and uh, you know Billy Walton kind of an edge guy who's the same way I mean he's generally going to be playing forward but also has has shown on occasion that if he needs to drop into short zone from his edge spot for South Oak Cliff he can do that so you know it's a it's a space game and uh, you need. You need defensive guys who can play in space. That's uh, it's why you see uh, your off-ball linebackers now. Or there's no more, no more Levon Kirklands and, and types like that <laughs> from the '90s. Uh, your off-ball backers are 225, 230 pounds most of the time. Gabe, just real quick on that linebacker tangent. I, one of the ten guys that committed over the like Leona Leifau from Kahuku, Hawaii is that type of linebacker that I think maybe even as short as like seven, eight years ago, he would be kind of demonized for being as undersized as he is at, you know, six foot one, 210 pounds. But with the modern game and with his instinctual ability to kind of track and smack and cover along with the production that he's had on the offensive side of the ball at wide receiver, that kind of just proves your case in point. And I believe uh, 24-7 is the highest of any of the four other recruiting companies on Life Owl. Well, you know, something that you mentioned the that he has offensive experience, that we we project to NFL draft because that's, that's how we are ultimately graded by uh, the public and, and the industry as a whole. So something that is – you know, we look for certain markers, certain indicators. One that is like pervasive, uh, that transcends position is multi-sport. But when it comes to linebacker specific, uh, playing offensive snaps uh, is something that is extremely uh, widespread for guys who wind up being linebacker draft picks. And, you know, that probably has a lot to do with – why we're 
higher on him than than the composite. Uh, and, and he's right there in that sweet spot size-wise. You know, he's 6'1", you know, 210-ish. Um, you know, I think the average linebacker size in, in uh, you know, the last few drafts, like especially in the earlier rounds, is 6'1", 6'2", and about 215, 217 pounds. You know, I think people – understandably people who are not you know digging into all this information on a daily basis they probably see that and they think well that seems small but you know though this this is the size of these guys during their senior year of high school um they're not 6 215 when they get drafted uh now a few of them here and there may be but uh, you know these these senior year average height weights suggest that uh the combination of that and the combination of, of offensive uh, multi-sport and offensive snaps, uh, all of those things, uh, you know, suggest that the linebacker spot in the modern game is one that from a projection standpoint uh, is not something that you're looking for position specific know-how, uh, you know, like a classic, linebacker who's sticking his nose and in, into the gaps and all like you linebacker is the spot that as a senior in high school if you're projecting a guy five years down the road you're looking for an athlete and it's it's great if he's playing linebacker and he's good at it but all of those other things seem to be even better indicators uh, than than just what you see a guy doing at the linebacker spot and i think you know, that's a lot of that has to do with Lee Fowl and, and why we like him. Absolutely. And I think one more thing before I move on that's worth mentioning, too. I think it's one thing when you have those other side of the ball snaps and you're a playmaker and you are very productive. But it's an it's a added boost when you do it at such a high level of competition that Leifau does like the, he's playing with the number one team in Hawaii. Like they'll play St. John Bosco later uh, in the 2022 season. So it's not that he's just feasting on small competition as this level of athlete. And it kind of makes sense. No, he's able to get it done against a pretty tough uh, competition. And obviously this podcast is going to be a little bit more evaluation focus because that's what Gabe and I kind of nerd out on but with so many commits in the class uh joining it's kind of good to get this deeper dive into everybody that you know joined the all gas no breaks movement in Austin Gabe I'd be remiss if I didn't get your thoughts on Arch Manning or as uh (laughs) Cooper Patanga calls him Arch Jones at times making fun of people not giving him credit for the last name yeah uh you know I think I've mentioned this to a couple of people this week. He's, I think he's the most hated recruit I can remember. Uh, he's got more haters than any recruit I can I can ever remember. And you know, I get it. You, you have that name, then uh, you're going to have a lot of people uh, who, who gravitate toward one opinion or another just because of the name. And you know, he's. No, he's he has not done the Elite Eleven circuit, and uh, you know there's a lot of people who criticize him for that. And, uh, you know, sometimes there are guys who don't do that stuff because they they may not want to be overexposed. Uh, they may have something, you know, maybe a, a weakness or something that they don't want to do. But that's not the case with him. Like uh, Arch Manning is not avoiding. <laughs> Uh, off season <laughs> because he's afraid he's going to get exposed. You know, uh, th- this is somebody who's six three, six four, uh, multi sport. He started, I think, more than thirty games already. You know, by comparison, uh, Nico Amaleava, I think, has started thirteen games. Um, now Nico's been to stuff. You know, he, he backed out of the Elite Eleven Finals, but he he went to the regional. Um, also, another multi-sport stud, by the way, yes. just not your traditional. Other yes, sport. yes, another uh, a, a very good volleyball player, um, ton of upside. But you know, you you start looking. All right, if if you're gonna pick one of these other guys over Arch Manning, you start looking at body of work. Uh, Nico's got 13 starts, and one of the things that has been very uh, telling 
in in recent years at the, at the top end of the draft with quarterbacks is, is live, live reps in high school. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I think, threw more than a thousand passes. Uh, you know, look at Kyler Murray, same way. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, same. You know, you go down the Baker Mayfield, you go down all these guys who. Uh, most, uh, not all, but the majority of these guys who were drafted real high had a ton of, of live reps in high school. And, uh, you know, the, this this past year was kind of weird, um, this past draft, because some of those guys, it, it was a weird year. I mean, yeah, there was one first-round quarterback. You know, he had two years of varsity starting experience. He didn't throw a ton of passes. And you know it's it was a weird year, um, but you know you take all you, you take that data and stack it up against several years prior, and it's you can tell it's kind of an outlier year. Um, but I say all that to point out that I think there's this narrative uh, among college football fans and media, and you know that Arch Manning is. Nobody ever sees him do anything. He doesn't compete in anything. He's, you know, he's three. He's going to be a four-year varsity starter. Um, he doesn't have the best supporting cast from a talent standpoint. Um, it, we have seen him uh, a couple of times live this offseason, whether it was spring ball or Manning Passing Academy. You know, like it. I don't think that that. I don't think he's deserving of a lot of the hate that he gets. Uh, now, if you want to make the argument that one of these other guys has more long-term upside, like a, that's a discussion. Uh, For sure. That's a discussion. And, and you know, like Dante Moore, you start talking about body of work, like Dante Moore has an incredible body of work. Uh, Jackson Arnold is going to have a great body of work. Uh, you know, Malachi Nelson, uh, it's, it's a huge, like a, it's a, 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 Huge quarterback class at the top. I mean, it's there's when you start thinking about, you know, you have 32 five stars at the end of the cycle, and there's going to be, you know, six or seven guys probably that have a claim to be in those 32. And the, the thing is, is, is you, you know, there's never been more than six quarterbacks drafted in the first round. So you also have to, you also have to weigh that when you're doing your, uh, your process, but um, it, it's it's a crazy good year. I mean, it's a really, really, really good year. And and Gabe, there's going to be guys like Avery Johnson, Austin Novosad, who probably don't end up as five stars, but you know, three four years down the line, you know, like they have extremely high ceilings. So it's a great quarterback class. One thing I think I'd like to pick your brain on with the Arch Manning. I think the lack of competition or ducking thing is because people have gotten so acclimated to the current uh, to the current model <laughs> that a kid just kind of only playing with his school is now frowned upon or um, not maybe not even frowned upon, but just discredited. Of okay, well, why aren't you seeking out the best competition? Why aren't you going to OT seven? Why aren't you going to the Elite Eleven? And my point has always been, Elite Eleven is almost as much of a teaching and seminar based as it is pure competition. And when you have the Manning Passing Academy the week before, it's just hard for me to really believe that he's, you know, missing out on a ton. Other than you know the opportunity for people to see him directly against guys like Malachi Nelson. Dante Moore and you know a host of others that were Jackson Arnold ripping it this past weekend. Yeah, yeah, I'm I, I agree, and uh, you know I, I think that I think people I understand this. I understand the idea that well he's got a he's, his his surname is the reason he's number one. The reason he's number one is because he's really good, you know, and uh, and. The pedigree does matter. I mean, it's literally a one-of-a-kind pedigree. Like, literally no one else has ever had this pedigree. You know, nobody nobody else has a grandfather who's Archie Manning and two uncles who are Peyton and Eli Manning. Uh, Here's something for you, too, Gabe. I think you see it in the other big American sport and in basketball with Bronny James of – 
look, when you grow up with LeBron as your father, your basketball IQ is just going to be ridiculously high. And I don't think that Bronny even has the same uh, comparable physical build yeah. across the sports with Arch Manning. But it's the same thing of growing up in that ha- household. You're able to process the mental side of the game so much better than your peers. Whether that's fair or not, it's just kind of the reality. And you you watch when when Arch is playing, like I think probably his best trait is his pocket awareness. Like he's he has a sixth sense uh, of, of being able to feel pressure without physically seeing it. Uh, I mean, the clock is ticking in his head at, at, at a, in a way and at a rate that you don't really see many quarterbacks have. And, and he, he can sense, sense and feel pressure and then escape it in the opposite direction without ever really seeing who is causing the pressure. Uh, it's, He's he really does kind of have a he's kind of a pocket Jedi, you know. I mean, he he really can his his awareness and presence is is off the charts, and uh, he's he's a very accurate passer, and he's very good throwing on the run, whether with his body or across his body. I think some people are not blown away with his vertical arm strength. I think he has. He has he has enough. Uh, he has he has enough, and you know accuracy and live reps and and awareness and all that. I, that you know that that that's uh, that's more important than how far somebody can throw a ball. Uh, now it's great if you have a, a cannon, but you know this is somebody who is a lot of the times making plays on his own. Uh, because he has to, he has to. And Gabe uh, Cooper kind of gave a comp in his, uh, I can't remember exactly what piece he put out, but it was a Joe Burrow comp. And I think the pocket feel was a main reason why. Something I mentioned in an article on that uh, last Thursday when he did commit was that it gives Steve Sarkeesian a little bit of an extra ability to maybe not have to always have a tight end or a running back in to protect. Cause that was one thing with the 2019 LSU offense that because Joe Burrow had that sixth sense and he was always able to escape from pressure, they could truly spread the field out with five guys running routes because you know, you kind of couldn't send more than five at him cause he'd pick you apart. And I think that that plus the ability to run a ton of, pro concepts in the passing game to where you're truly able to hunt for those third and fourth progressions will just eventually be the way that this Steve Sarkeesian offense goes under Arch Manning. Uh, Moving on, we kind of hit on Derek Williams earlier, but that's probably, I'd say, other um, other than Manning, the most important commitment, just because you know, Mike recorded the audio for the John Tay Cook commitment, so we kind of knew that one was coming for a while. But getting a five-star out of the state of Louisiana that Alabama, LSU, and Texas A&M were all after in that hybrid modern role is pretty exciting for Texas fans. Yeah, this this is a dude. I mean, it, this is somebody you just turn on the tape and you can see what he can do. And he plays with, with intensity and swagger and he can cover, he can hit. He, you know, he's, he, his pursuit range is is enormous. He has the the physical specs uh, to to play. You know, he can play center field if you need him to, or he can run the alleys, or he can step up into the box, and, and he's going to be able to do a lot of a lot of different things. I Means he should be a personnel chameleon uh, for the defensive staff. Gabe, moving on to John Tech Cook. That was somebody that Steve Sarkeesian put at the top of his board since day one in Austin for the 2023 cycle at wide receiver. What do you like about Cook's game and kind of when you were evaluating him or when you'll have rankings meetings, what's kind of the overall discussion around him as a player? He's a an extremely natural receiver. Like he's very natural at the position. Um, he's He's had some impressive – testing in a combine setting um he's, he's a i think he's a jumper a long jumper triple jumper 
would love to have seen him do sprints at some point. Uh, but, you know, the, the on-field context, the, the jumps and the testing, they give us a pretty good idea for, for what he is athletically. Um, he, you know, he's going to be able to line up inside or outside or anywhere you need him to. He's, he's an acrobat in the air. He has incredible uh, mid-air adjustment ability, body control. He he's he, he kind of hangs in the air when he has to. Uh, very good timing and and instincts and high pointing. I mean all the all the stuff that you want to see from a, a position specific uh, perspective. I you know I don't know if he's really lacking much in 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 that category. Uh, I I do think that uh, physically he he's. Maybe a little, you know, he's a little more limited long term than some of these other guys at the top, like uh, like Hakeem Williams or uh, I'm going blank. You know, Brandon Ennis is already like a grown man. Um, he, he's about 200 pounds. He's like a running back. Yeah, you know, or or a guy like uh, Zachariah Branch that has verified tests. Yeah, who's track who's times in the one of the three yeah, one of the best. Uh, one of the best track athletes in the in in the country in this football class. Yeah, you get a, a 10 3 300 meter time. Um, but there there's some big bodies up there at the top, like Hakeem, and and there's there's another couple guys like that. And I think that uh, you know Jonte may not quite have the the physical upside of those guys, but you know receivers a spot that lately. We we've seen you know a pretty good number of guys who don't have to be you know just transformers. Uh, I mean, look at Devonte Smith. Now Devonte Smith was a I think a ten six guy in high school, but you know Devonte Smith or whether it's him or Jalen Waddle or there there's I, I kind of go back to the thing that Nick Saban says about receivers is that he treats them like a basketball team uh, and you need to have four or five different types of bodies and that's really how you know like if you look at the the early round draft results in recent years it's really reflective of that because you know you'll have drake london who's almost like a tight end he's so big but then you'll also have jalen waddle who's five foot nine and was you know finishing above the rim in the open floor as a junior in high school so you have you have this broad range of guys. Uh, you know, CeeDee Lamb is another one. He and Devontae Smith are both very slight. Then you've got Jalen Rager, who's, you know, uh, like a classic track athlete uh, who, who looks like a guy running, uh, you know, in the Olympics and track, just from a, how his physical build looks like. So, you know, from, from that perspective, uh, I, I don't think that, it's it's necessarily like a, a, a negative that that Jonte's not some big guy. It's just um, when you consider all of the data points, um, you know, his ranking ceiling may not be quite as high as somebody who's two inches taller and has sprint times and is the basketball player, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Like it, it, it kind of goes back to data points and it's the same reason Shelton Sampson, who's a, incredible receiver out of Louisiana. A lot of people don't like us where we have him. And a lot of that is just we don't know as much about him as a lot of other guys because there's just a, a, a clear lack of, of information uh, relative to most of these other receivers. And Gabe, too, when we're talking about receivers that have been drafted and one of the ones I'm going to bring up is going to be drafted likely in the first round this upcoming year. I'd be remiss if I didn't give you credit for nailing the Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, even though it will hurt Texas fans listening, you were definitely on the money with both of those two. Well, it, I, I will take credit for Garrett Wilson for sure. I, he's one of the uh, he's one of the top three receivers. I probably have have seen in person at the high school level up there with. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and Terrace Marshall. That's probably my top three. Um, it I had to come around on on Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, I will give uh, the initial credit, deservedly so, 
to uh, one Barton Simmons, who was on him extremely early. But and, and I was hesitant just because there wasn't much data yet. He had that monster sophomore year uh, that, that kind of got him on the radar. And when I was uh, finally like, OK, this guy, we, yeah, this, this guy's unbelievable, is when he was at the opening finals, I think, in July of 2019 and just had nuclear testing numbers. And his, his athletic development from – the first time he was out there uh, in, as a sophomore early in that season to the time he was a senior is incredible uh, because he was early on, he was kind of a fluid mover, like very nuanced and advanced for the position. And he maintained that, but also got just, I mean, almost unfathomably more explosive twitchier, like not just straight line, linear speed, but short area, suddenness, everything. And that's to his credit. Like uh, he, he, he developed in a way that not many guys really develop. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Circling back to the Texas class as well, I think that you're starting to see Steve Sarkeesian's vision for the wide receiver room with a little bit of uh, Texas wide receiver coach Brennan Marion's flair sprinkled in. When you compare John Tay Cook with a guy like Ryan Niblett, who does have that verified track speed, and I believe we have in the top 60 in the country in the top 247, so... Him plus a guy that I'm going to pick your brain about in Jonah Wilson, who kind of is that more traditional, bigger body uh, X receiver is what they recruited him to. Like you're starting to see that plus the potential of maybe adding in a Jonah Wilson, Mikel Harrison pilot, maybe even Jacquez Petaway. You're starting to see more of what Steve Sarkeesian wanted this Texas program to look like, opposed to last year's class of just Brennan Thompson and Savion Red. Yeah, well, you you know, you look at Sarkeesian very recently worked uh, with Nick Saban and had that basketball team-like re- receiver core with all these different types of bodies who could do all these different sorts of things. And, you know, you, you mentioned guys like Niblett and Petaway. These are guys who may not have the position-specific nuance uh, that Jonte does. Jonte, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you know, CeeDee Lamb was kind of the same way, but CeeDee Lamb also had some verified markers. But it's that, the you know, the the, the position specific, whether it's body control or, or hands or timing or uh, all of that stuff, you know, Niblet and, and Petaway, these are burners. And if you give me the choice, like if I'm going to have to pick between one thing or another, like, well, this guy, my eyes are telling me that this guy's unbelievable. He has all this stuff that's kind of uh, you can't quantify or this guy runs a 10 <laughs> five. 
<laughs> I'm often going to side with the numbers. Um, not, not always, certainly not always, but, uh, you know, I think some people see Petaway and, and Niblet and, and they don't have the, the on-field production that Jonte has. So they're like, well, why, why are these guys this high? Like, well, these guys have verified athleticism that has been repeatedly reflected as high round long-term projection. Um, as Jonah Wilson, you know, that's like you said, it's another big body. Um, you know, he plays big. He may play even bigger than he, than he, he looks. Uh, he's, he's interesting because he's got some, he's got a little of both in that he's got some twitchiness, but he's not going to be, you know, he's not a 10 five guy, but he also has some, you can see glimpses of that receiver specific nuance with him. Um, I, you know, I think he needs a little more development in that area, but uh, he's really encouraging. Uh, he's he's a little more of an unknown. Uh, not you know, he's not an unknown, but there's just not quite as much depth of information on him as some of these other guys. And, For sure, and you know that may that may affect uh, where he is right now. I mean, he's, we, you know, he, we we have him as a four star, um, but. You know, I, th- I think, you know, he's played basketball. That, that's the, that, when I start looking, especially at receivers, first thing I do, even before watching, like if I've never seen a guy, even before watching tape, I look up track, I look up to see if they play basketball. You know, I'm looking up all that stuff, and then I'm going to watch the tape because I, the athletic foundation counts for so much nowadays. Absolutely, Gabe. And I think that it's an interesting note that the Texas staff, because Brennan, this was one of Brennan Marion's guys, and they didn't offer until the off season. They offered him after a basket, after a district basketball game, where I think he went for twenty plus and was apparently just living above the rim. So, it's one of those things that it's not just us from the ranking and evaluation standpoint, but coaches care about that stuff too. And with Jonah Wilson as well, it's been a little tough on him because he hasn't put up that production because at Spring Decaney, where he is very clearly the best athlete. He's had to play a lot of quarterback his junior year. He uh, had one of the best games that I watched of the 2020 season, I believe, as a sophomore, where in the playoffs, he almost single-handedly helped uh, DeCaney pull a big upset over Connor uh, Weigman and Bridgeland, I think, in the second round. I, I'm pretty sure Wilson ended up with over 200 yards and three touchdowns in a Hell of a performance. Yeah, that was the first time I remember. Well, I remember watching that. I think on the on Texan Live or, or NFHS, one or the other, and I was like, "Who is this guy?" Oh, he's a sophomore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like. I mean, you know how it is. Like those of us who who do this, like we're watching a game. We we kind of get uh, we kind of get starry eyed when we see somebody doing something, and then we realize that they're a sophomore. Oh, yeah. And even at this past weekend, State 7-on-7, where there was a big framed QB from a small school, and I was walking up to him uh, from Hitchcock. His name's Lloyd Jones III. Uh, His dad played at Florida State kind of in their heyday. But I was walking up to him just thinking, please don't be a 2023 because it's going to be tough to get you looks. And sure enough, he was a 2025. So Mm -hmm. definitely with you on that. And uh, Gabe, I think the – one of the more interesting and kind of, uh, I guess, contentious would be the word, um, points that fans from opposing schools from Texas want to really break down is the four-man Texas offensive line class right now. They'll probably try to add one more kind of blue-chip tackle to the mix. But of Jaden Chapman, Connor Stroh, Andre Kojo, and Trevor Goosby, who'd you like to tackle first? Uh, Chapman, I'll, I'll jump on Chapman first. I think Chapman could, you know, I think he could play tackle. I think his long-term ceiling is higher inside. Um, he's long enough to play tackle. Uh, I, but I just think that he's, he's somebody who he's six, four, 300. He's got good length. Um, he has tested well and in, in lateral, uh, lateral respect. Uh, he's got, you know, uh, shot put, discus, uh, 
if I'm remembering correctly. Yes. He's got good good data for from that standpoint. So uh, he, he checks, you know, it, it's the cliche. He checks a lot of boxes. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got, I think, a couple of 48-foot shot put throws. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of people, they say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, it's multi-sport context. And it's something that just over and over and over uh, in, in the last several years, you see linemen either side of the ball, uh, guys who were drafted, they're shot put discus guys. Um, so it's 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 a very important uh, added key uh, when you're evaluating these guys. But, I, you know, he, he plays mad. Uh, and I, I think from a uh, something that, that we probably don't do well enough is communicate that we're – we're honestly looking at this differently than the college staffs are because the college staffs generally are interested in, you know, how long is it going to take for this guy to give me snaps? And we're looking at it from, is this guy going to get drafted? And of course on that Venn diagram, you know, there's a Venn diagram uh, overlap a lot of the times there, but, um, I think that we probably could do a better job of communicating that. And this is a kind of example where Jaden Chapman is going to give Texas great uh, roster value as a potentially position versatile guy. And we moved him to interior O-line projection because we think that that's where his long-term ceiling, you know, in, in regard to NFL draft potential is higher. And also, it's kind of one of those things from my understanding as well, not just with offensive line, but across all positions. If a kid is telling a college, I'm only playing wide receiver there, but the feedback that we get and, you know, our own personal opinion is that he's, you know, potentially going to be drafted at linebacker. You're going to evaluate him as a linebacker. That way you can get him the highest rating possible. And you're not sticking a kid with an 83 that yeah. maybe could be drafted one day as a linebacker. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's the th uh, a good example of that. There's a kid committed to Mississippi state named Ty Jones, who is uh, primarily a running back for his high school in Mississippi. He could probably be an FBS running back, uh, but we have him as a four-star athlete because we think he will be a linebacker. And from what I understand, our, our Mississippi State side, uh, they say that Mississippi State plans to play him at linebacker. And so when you watch him as a ball carrier, the functional athleticism is there, and you think, well, look at all these guys from these last five drafts who are linebackers who were run, you know, full-time running backs in high school. So like, that's a perfect example of, of what we're talking about here. Gabe, I think the, pro the question that I've gotten a lot from Texas fans is of the three remaining takes at offensive line, who has the highest chance to move up in the rankings before um, you know, national signing days two is over. I have an answer and I'll just give it to you before I kind of pick your thoughts on it. I think that the highest potential guy as far as moving up would probably be Trevor Goosby out of Melissa because that is somebody who, because of his shoulder injury his junior year, didn't really get to put a ton out on film. He kind of has half of a season and he was still getting accustomed to playing offensive line. I saw him live and evaluated him live against Argyle, which is a hell of a 4A football program. Both Melissa and Argyle are moving up to 5A this upcoming year. But he looked really good, and that was my first exposure to him. And I immediately wrote about him because uh, when you look at him, he's a true 6'6". Six, six. You say this, and it's the God's honest truth, but there are a lot of listed football players across the country at 6'6 six, six that aren't actually even close. Maybe they're 6'4 and a fourth with their shoes off. Trevor Goosby's a legit 6'6". Six, six. He's put on good weight, and even though he doesn't have the true multi-sport athleticism where he's not on the basketball team at Melissa, 
he did, I believe, play a season at one of the Dallas ISD schools before moving there. And, you know, we've seen videos of him throwing down a 360 dunk. So he does have that, you know, above the rim bounce that is really intriguing as an offensive tackle. Yeah, I probably agree with you. When when you look at those offensive linemen and you're looking at traits that provide uh, long-term developmental upside, like you said, uh, verified six foot six. And, and again, just to reiterate, it's what I say is for every 10 offensive linemen in high school who say they're six six, there's maybe one who's actually six six. <laughs> Uh, maybe one or two who are actually 6'6". Uh, but he's 6'6", and he's 275, 280, and he wears it well. He's super lean for somebody that size, which is a very good thing, especially for a tackle. Uh, I think that some – you know, I think a lot of people understandably get uh, kind of infatuated with the, these monsters. Like when I say monster, I mean – Makai Becton, Panay Sewell, Evan Neal. Um, in, in this 23 class, Caden Proctor, who committed yesterday to Iowa. Like, those those types are monsters. But, um, you know, the majority of these of these higher-round offensive linemen are, are under 300 pounds in high school. Um, you know, 280, 285, 290. Um, they're they're multi—regardless of weight, they're multi-sport. Or they've played both ways, um, you know. As far as that stuff, that's uh, it's a little. Gooseby is a little more of an unknown from a from from multi sport and, and and all that kind of stuff because he's he's kind of primarily like you said he's he's got a little, he's got limited tape and it was just one side of the ball, um, so it, 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 it's he's not checking the the multi sport and and. The two-way, which is another thing, uh, another huge marker for offensive linemen is a lot of them play both ways in high school. But uh, as far as the physical traits, he's he has some great physical traits. And he's got, I think, the best offensive tackle broad jump I've come across in this class. Um, and I think it's nine almost – I think it's nine feet, nine feet two inches – which if you're if you're getting over a hundred inches uh, at six six two seventy five two yeah with a size eighteen shoe as well like yeah like that's that's serious uh, explosiveness and you know I, I don't think you always see it on tape but like you said it's it's kind of limited tape and I, I'm expecting a big uh, a big year he's got good shuttle time he's got a good broad jump he's got I think a thirty four inch arm which is is what you want at tackle. So his physical upside is, is certainly, um, I think, the highest of those guys. And, Gabe, for the other two, it just kind of, in uh, Andre Kojo and Connor Stroh, it just kind of circles back to your earlier point about colleges are looking maybe for one thing, especially with offensive linemen, for immediate plug-and-play ability. Everybody knows, I mean, Kyle Flood himself kind of jokes about it on Twitter with the hashtag big humans uh, movement that he started, but people know Flood values the big boys kind of more than your traditional what the data says on drafts. So um, I do think that there's some upside, particularly, particularly with Andre Kojo, who will enroll at college at 16, is still a baby, still has a lot of football ahead of him. But um, I've been kind of trying to tell Texas fans that I wouldn't necessarily expect, even though, you know, especially with Connor Stroh, big schools were after him. It's just one of those things to where a lot of the indicators aren't necessarily on his side. I think Cooper uh, mentioned a good point with Stroh of just uh, the slower foot speed is a little... Um, is a little concerning, but at the same time, you know, these are two guys that before Texas even landed their truly monster 2022 offensive line crop, like, you know, flood has a type. He offered Stroh, Kojo and Chapman first and um, made all of these guys priorities, even when maybe not uh, everybody else agreed. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, and you know, that, for the same reason, you know, I know a lot of people are 
continue to be up in arms about Cam Williams in the last class or, or Hayden Connor, you know, in the one before, like these, these guys are good, really good football players. Uh, they wouldn't have the attention that they, that they have without being really good. It's just from our process and philosophy perspectives. Um, you don't, you know, if, if you're going to be six, five, plus and 350 plus you better be a freak show athlete uh which is what makai becton was which is what panay sewell was which is what caden proctor is uh evan neal was pretty freaky for somebody who was six seven three hundred sixty five pounds coming out of high school um you know the 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 overwhelming information available there's not a lot of guys, not really many uh, at all, uh, who are, you know, 350 plus pounds and don't have this and this and this and this and this next to them uh, in regards to multi-sport, playing two-way snaps, testing off the charts, all, you know. There's not many guys who, who, who are 350 plus who don't also have all of that stuff who are getting picked in the top three rounds, you know. Absolutely. Gabe, I want to pick your brain. We've gone through all of the commits. We touched on Billy Walton at the beginning of the uh, podcast. We've gone through all of the commits, which was a, you know, base almost a dozen players. But I'm curious about um, your first time watching Denton Ryan linebacker, who is a five-star Anthony Hill because he, he was on those Denton Ryan teams early on, won a state title with them, and uh, Texas seems to be trending for the uh, five-star right now. Yeah, I mean, he's been a fun one to watch from the beginning. Um, he He's somebody who, he's somebody who is a little, uh, there's some positional uh, ambiguity, and, and it's a frequent discussion with us because he is more of that classic linebacker, um, you know, because he's almost 6'2 and I think 230 pounds. Um, that's getting pretty big uh, for, for nowadays for a, a guy entering his senior year of high school. I kind of think he he's his long-term uh, potential might be better uh, suited at, on the edge. Um, but having said that, he's a pretty impressive functional athlete when he has to be. Um, and you know, he's, he's a playmaker. I mean, he, he's, he's tested very well uh, on multiple occasions. Um, and does it on both sides of the ball, too. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that was something that, uh, you know, that's a, a big reason he's got uh, you know, the rankings prowess that he does is he checks that two-way box, you know, it's, and when, when you're playing, when you get two-way snaps as a linebacker projection, you don't have to be carrying the ball 200 times a season. Like, uh, it's, it's a broad range of, of, uh, volume for what we've seen. It's just there, you know, uh, JV and Tobiano, you know, corner, you know, back defensive back seven, two way snaps and, and ball production, um, whether linebacker, corner safety uh, are very telling indicators. And Tobiano, you know, he's not a full time running back, but he has enough context there that that helps his profile. Um, for the same reason, Anthony Hill, it helps his. And with Tobiano, too, real quick, as a little bit of a tangent. And I think something that matters, especially for people like us who truly do watch the games, kind of dive deeper than just the huddle. Toviano, when Arlington Martin is in crucial situations, they'll get into the Wildcat and go to him because they know that that is their best choice to winning. So it's also not just, yeah, you know, okay, it's, uh, you know, second and six in a blowout. Let's give it to the def – no, it's – okay, Southlake Carroll, it's your sophomore year. We need you to lead us down the field in the Wildcat and score, yeah. and he does. But all, another thing with Anthony Hill, you're right that especially with the uh, mold he has, it's a little crazy, but 
he does kind of check every other indicator with production. He does test pretty well. Um, he has both sides of the ball snaps. And this past um, spring, I believe Denton Ryan ended up running a sub 41 four by 100 at the state uh, track and field championships, or I'm pretty sure it was sub 41 and they got on the podium and Hill as a six foot two, 230 pound linebacker was out there. I believe in the second leg, like that's not the true sprint testing times, but it does give enough of an athletic com context of being able to hang probably at the nation's best high school prep track meets. You could probably argue Florida's up there too, but I mean that in itself is pretty remarkable. Yeah, they I'm, I pulled it up right now. They went forty point seven zero and got second in five A, and that's with Anthony Hill running the third leg. Uh, his uh, the only individual time that that I've seen was was eleven four five, which you know if you're looking at a running back or a receiver, you're like, uh, but a two hundred thirty pound linebacker, that's. Uh, that's his only rep. Like if, if he was training to do that, he's probably getting down to 11-2, 11-1. Exactly. And that's that's getting pretty scary. Um, you don't have to uh, you don't have to eclipse the coveted eleven flat threshold to have you know your hundred meter time be a valuable data point. Uh, I mean, you know, there's I think early on Ruben Owens when his first his first time running was, you know, 11, 11, one. Uh, and, and that was like, okay, he's a, this spring of his freshman year. Like that's, that's a pretty crazy time. Uh, and sure enough, you know, he's what, 10, six, eight, I think this semester. So you just, it's, you know, the, the context matters in regards to the sprints, whether it's position or age, uh, that there's a lot, you know, you can't just judge, on 11 four, five, uh, on one time he's run it against, uh, you know, somebody who's running 11 four, five, uh, six different times. Gabe, I want to pick your brain on two more prospects before we get out of here. Texas target, and I've put in a crystal ball for Texas to get him. Sadir Mitchell out of Bergen Catholic in New Jersey is going to announce on CBS uh, Sports HQ on Sunday. I believe it's 630 Eastern. How familiar are you with him as a player? Uh, I'm fairly familiar. I, I think I watched a couple of their games on NFHS last year because they've got multiple guys. That's a that's a name program up They're there. They're a prospect factory up in the Northeast for sure. Yeah, they are. Now, Sadir Mitchell is is kind of the you know he, he's a defensive side, uh, not equivalent necessarily, but it's he's in that same discussion as. Guys like Stroh or Kojo or, or you know those, those types who this is a big body. This they're this is somebody who is gonna go out there and and eat up space and clog traffic and free up everybody around him. Um, more so than oh man, I, you know this guy, this guy screams top fifty pick in five years. You know uh, for sure. Which I would say on the defensive side of the ball definitely feels like you can get away with that a little bit more just because of how, you know, you can set the modern defense. Um, yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, he, he is a big body. I mean, and, and that's the thing is you see, you know, Georgia is always going to prioritize guys like that. So when you're going up against somebody like Georgia who is looking for gigantic – human beings, <laughs> um, you know, they, they, they have functionality. Uh, I mean, his production tells you what he is. He's, he has six sacks in three years. This is not, you know, this is a big body who is there to, uh, to, to be a, a gravitational void, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> somebody, somebody who is, who is eating space and time and everyone else is orbiting around him. And I like the way you put it, too, of the kind of chain reaction of uh, with Sadir Mitchell, you do have to double you like you can't he will disrupt consistently and it does free up other players, which is why, um, you know, schools like Georgia, Texas A&M, Miami, Texas are all over. Um, last guy I want to pick your brain on, because I think 
Texas fans were so locked in on Ruben Owens for the longest time that they maybe aren't as familiar with uh, Cedric Baxter out of Edgewater High School in Orlando, Florida, who I know we've talked off the air is kind of in that same tier. And I think there's a legit argument for, you know, for him to be one of the best running backs in the country. Yeah, I think without a doubt, he, you know, he's got, I don't think that he has the uh, checks quite as many of the scouting boxes as Ruben. And as far as, uh, you know, Ruben's got a, a pretty extensive track and field ledger, whether it's sprints or, or long jump, you know, he's a, a state state level contender in long jump. Uh, but I mean, turn on the tape with, with Cedric Baxter and, it's it's scary at times. I mean, he's for one thing, he's big. You know, he's legit six one plus, uh, approaching two hundred twenty pounds. That's really I, I I think that I think a lot of the times we we kind of calibrate ourselves to thinking, oh, well, you know, the a running back needs to be 215, 220 pounds. There's really not very many high school prospects. Uh, who are coming out at 215, 220 pounds. That, that is a big dude. And, I mean, he's got juice. He clearly has juice. And his production is good. You know, he, he kind of look for – there's not a hard and fast rule on yards per carry, but you want – based on, on – uh, you know, running back and linebacker are two spots I've researched quite a bit. And based on what I've, I've looked over multiple cycles – you want a, a higher end prospect to be north of eight yards per carry. And and he was, you know, I think around 8.3, eight and a half, something like that. Playing year. against some crazy competition in Florida. Yeah, too. I mean, playing against uh, incredible competition. So, uh, you know, I think when you start the discussion of, uh, you know, the running back tiers, I, I think there's three guys at the top who, who are on a tier ahead of everybody else. And it's, it's Baxter and Owens and Richard Young, uh, another Florida guy. Uh, and then I think there's a noticeable drop to the next level. But it, while our while the national running back class is not very deep this this cycle, there is, for whatever reason, uh, coincidentally, the class in Texas is extremely deep. Oh yeah, loaded. There's there's a loaded running back class of of guys who are mid to high three stars and, and even guys who are probably uh if they aren't already uh probably will end up fours you know i think cam cook is a is a four star 90 for us right now he's a perfect example of uh of that quentin joiner who's committed to usc marion peterson who's a uh, the highest three-star grade for us. Uh, you know, one of my favorites. And I think that uh, Marion Peterson, if he had some verifieds, and it's one yeah. of those things to where the, you know, he's from Wichita Falls, Hershey, which, um, you know, you're not really able to, um, you're not really able to get out to as many places. But if he had some verifieds, it would be a lot easier to yes. move him up. Kedrick Roscano out of New Caney, who put up some, ludicrous production and triple jump stats. It's it's a loaded class in state and it's funny for Texas with, you know, the potential of ending up with Cedric Baxter. It sets up well for you in state and you do get a guy in Trey Wisner who's certainly intriguing as a running back too, but you know, you still end up with a maybe nationally elite guy when it's all said and done. Yeah, for sure. Well, Gabe, I appreciate you so much for joining for this. This has been a ton of fun. Hopefully the next time uh, we have you on, it can be you, me, and Mike uh, running the three-man weave like we do in our group chat on, on an almost daily basis. A ton of fun. For those Texas fans wondering, uh, your normal episode of the State of Recruiting will be back next week as Mike comes back from Mexico. I know a lot of you probably want him gone forever because this has been <laughs> one of the wildest weeks of uh, Horns recruiting in years. But... Fruits and Standish and our guest Gabe Brooks. This has been the State of Recruiting. Thanks. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody, get down! 
A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.